Hi, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in another educational episode on the Go Green by Mira podcast, a podcast by Hemp Tech Malaysia, where we discuss potential and challenges of hemp in Malaysia with experts from different industries. You are here with me, Anne Osman and Eric. And today we have a very special guest. We have Mr. Johan Mohammed, who is the founder and president of Malaysia Hemtech Industrial Research Association. Welcome, Abang Johan. How are you? Great to have you on the podcast. A pleasure to be here. Thank you, Anne and Eric, for this podcast session. I'm doing great. We're going to be moving on to our discussion for today. Johan, lately the WHO has talked about rescheduling of cannabis, stating that currently cannabis is not under the same regulations that it used to be due to its medical benefits. And hence, on this episode, we want to understand the impacts of the WHO scheduling recommendations for cannabis and specifically cannabis hemp in Malaysia. Moving on to the first question, could you please explain to us regarding the latest rescheduling of cannabis by WHO and what are the impacts of this rescheduling? The committee recommended back in last year, it was recommended under the WHO ECDC recommendation number 5.4 from the 41st meeting back in November 2018 when Mira joined the coalition with the International Biosphere on Rescheduling uh, Single Convention. At that time, the committee already recommended deleting extracts and tinctures of cannabis from Schedule 1 of the 1961 Single Convention. The committee also recommend the preparation containing Delta 9 THC produced either by chemical synthetic or as the preparation of cannabis. That the compound as pharmaceutical preparation which one or more uh, other ingredients and in such uh, a way that Delta 9 THC cannot be recovered by readily available means or in the yield which could constitute a risk to public health be added in Sherwood 3 of the 1961. So if you look at the vote to reclassify cannabis last year, which was passed by the UN Commission on Narcotic Drugs to vote on 27 against 25. So globally, more than 50 countries have actually cleared the cannabis for medical use currently, while countries such as Canada and Uruguay have moved to legalize on the recreational use of it. But in this region, in Asia, countries such as Japan also opposed the decision. If you look at the current situation in Malaysia, earlier the WHO recommended the CAD rescheduled cannabis and that cannabis from Schedule 4 of the Single Convention on Narcotic Drugs. So in addition, the report also recommended that THC should be deleted from the psychotropic substance. That is the scenario uh, of the recent rescheduling. Actually, the rescheduling happens almost every year, starting from 2018. But last year, there's more and more countries favoring it towards this. Thank you, Don, for that very detailed information regarding what is this whole entire rescheduling about and how Tetra can hydrocannabidol, like you mentioned, uh, stands in this entire thing, whether it's naturally produced or synthetically produced. And all these uh, substances come under the Commission of Narcotic Drugs as well. Does 
the global cannabis ruling uh, have any conflict with the Commission of Narcotic Drugs and this rescheduling by WHO? It depends if we are referring the drugs as a whole subject or just about cannabis. There's a lot of misunderstanding going on, especially in this region, I would say, since there's already countries such as Canada or Europe has followed the guidelines from the CND Commission. This is quite uh, a tough question, but when we are talking about uh, including cannabis and for Mira case, uh, the industrial hemp use should be part of the initiative. And in fact, countries have, are talking about circular economy. So I don't see any conflicts on that since the CND has made a positive move about the plant. As a whole, there's a very specific five drugs and two more is not drugs, I think, based on the uh, guidelines. If we refer to one of the documents provided by the WHO, mentioned very clearly that there's about a seven categories, shadow cannabis and cannabinoids, where the drugs in the meaning of the convention falls under cannabis or cannabinoid as a whole. And second is the cannabis resin. And next is the extracts and tinctured of cannabis. And of course, dronabinoil and its stereosimus, delta uh, 9-THC, and the isomers THC, where two more, as I mentioned, seven, two more, which is cannabinoid, and the cannabis plant as a whole is not supposed to be categorized as a drug. This also included in 1985 or 1987 during the UN meeting in New York. There's a document clearly mentioned that it's not for under the drug. You mentioned that all these other chemicals, I, I really can't recall the names because it sounds very complicated, falls under a different category as compared to the plant itself. I understand based on Amira's understanding, we really have a very big distinction between hemp and cannabis itself. And both of these fall under plants and have different uses as well. So can you talk more about whether hemp and cannabis will actually have a difference in all this rescheduling that's going on? Certainly, like I mentioned, hemp was named as industrial cannabis in the document. Just recently, since 2018, they started to elaborate, but under the scheduled cannabis and cannabis document, there is not much about hem, but anything refers as industrial cannabis is actually hem. If you, based on the substance, which are quite technical, you mentioned earlier, if we look at example, countries such as Thailand, they have removed certain parts of the plant. From a research point of view, even any cannabis plant, any species, even it's a sativa or a rhodorolus, these three main 
a cannabis family. The leaves, the stalk, the roots, and the seeds all considered as industrial use. In our case here, we're referring to sativa, which produces hemp. So definitely all is under the industrial use. This is what being practiced now in the Europe, I would say very uh, openly. I mean, all the parts of hemp is not even considered as drug, especially countries like Poland, you know, some parts of, I think there's about 21 countries in the Europe does not consider hemp or the industrial cannabis as drug. That's why under the shadow cannabis and cannabinoids under the WHO document, it mentioned clearly there's seven categories of cannabis, but five is fall under the drugs in the meaning of the convention. Thanks, Johan. Thank you for giving us that clear definition between what, what is actually uh, hemp and cannabis and how we can actually use the different parts of the plant. Johan mentioned a lot about our neighboring country, Thailand, who is currently actively cultivating and encouraging businesses, especially local businesses, starting to encourage them to go into planting um, hemp, right? Industrial yep. cannabis. And you were saying that they're taking different parts of the plants in making it into industrial goods. Malaysia has reaffirmed their stance on not making any changes, although UN has already declared that they have already scheduled cannabis out of schedule for it. So how do we see this? You know, has this any implications at all in Malaysia? Before I comment about Malaysia, let's view and learn from those who had experience in, in certain parts of the world, like first, let's take Colorado, for example, mm-hmm. after the announcement being made in 2012, they have legalized together with the Washington for the adult use of cannabis. And we can see the crime rates has dropped and taxes are being used for school, scholarship, and even they used it to help the homeless people. If you remember in 2013, when the cannabis advocates, a member of the public gathered in the park to celebrate the legalization, there's actually a two gunshot happening. Two person, a black man was killed during that uh, celebration. Some news was referring to crime related whether should cannabis be allowed. And other stories explain about how the cannabis scene has been sabotaged until the day of the celebration, just to spread the bad influence about the plan and the decision made by the Colorado government. And time has uh, proof that now Colorado is the icon of a state in the U.S. And... uh, The impact was better than what they actually imagined years back. Colorado is one of the most tourism spots for the local businesses and it's running well, both the industrial use and the medicinal use, including recreational use, has set as a good uh, face nationwide. And next example is Thailand. What I meant earlier, you can see now the government is promoting the leaves from the plant. It, it could be leaves coming from the university. It could be from other species, not hemp. Again, we know that particular area has has no 
psychoactive, so it's not considered drugs. Since hemp is being planted in a wider area, so they are using the leaves to actually promote uh, and create demand among investors. But obviously, they have not even produced the flour for the bread. It's just the leaf to actually remove the stigma of the people. The Thai government actually have revealed the number of prisoners in 2014 and 15. We are again fortunate we were there at Durakit University understanding about why from the beginning the government actually has amended the law. There's too many private prisons then in 2015 in Thailand. All are full packed. We asked the, the officers when we were there. I did ask some of the officers what, what is happening to Thailand and they have actually hinted that the government is trying to reschedule. The main reason was because too much of prisoner and most of the people they noticed on drug cases. The Thai government then identified those who are related to drugs. When they go very deeply, cannabis was the most cases. That's how they begin to align with the rehabilitation center and they handle other drug issues where cannabis then administered by the FDA and the medicinal values under the therapeutic and traditional medicine, which is also under the Ministry of Health. The impact that the Thai government is doing now is one good example is actually to remove the stigma. If we go back to Malaysia, the word of cannabis, unfortunately, many people call it ganja. So there is no space for cannabis or even hemp to be understood well. That's the reason why in Malaysia, we at Mira has divided our exco in few areas from the research team, we have product development team, the business team and education. I'm currently leading the education department to help the Malaysian government to look into cannabis and hemp and education. We are facing a lot of stigma and unfavorable situation with the grassroots level. Why are you separating hemp with medical cannabis and marijuana? Because it's very important to remove the stigma. We have to have a local strategy based because if you look at currently the local strategy, the war on drugs. These are all actually promoting a wrong approach. The people need to have the sense of belonging if the country really want to look cannabis as the new crop or, or a new solution for the people mm-hmm. for the future. You see, there's no point if this country uh, do not plan to plant this crop. They actually wanted to promote it as a new economy. Definitely, we need to follow something like what the Thailand has been doing. So we must look at the more holistic and resilient approach. Overall, cannabis is the least dangerous drugs according to international studies and there's no one ever died before from the cannabis plants except the law itself. I'm sure if the intention and the strategy is right, the law will not look cannabis as a crime. And of course, going back to Malaysia, there is a basic restructure have to to happen. That's why IRA exists to get this part of industrial cannabis or hemp to be separated into a different ministry. Thank you so much, Johan, for sharing that. I agree, you know, cannabis itself here, like you say, there isn't room for even hemp to 
to be there as you know it's still being stigmatized whenever people hear about ganja they associate cannabis with ganja and it's always stigmatized still here in malaysia but taking cue on thailand especially as you mentioned that you know it's created a lot of positive impact it seems to be a new cash crop right now in thailand and them taking a holistic approach i think that sets an example for what the kind of potential it has in um, in that space moving back to here in malaysia as we all know it's made the headlines malaysia has taken and reaffirmed their stance although un has actually amended the rescheduling but what do we see from there is malaysia still working on you know following the advice from who and cnd or are they strictly firm with this this could be a huge area to discuss actually because look at at the current palm oil, what is happening to our palm oil countries almost every month is not accepting palm oil. You know, I'm not trying to downgrade palm oil, but I think after more than 30, 40 years, certain crop is no longer relevant. You see, Malaysia, I believe, will follow the WHO. But what worries me is either Malaysian is bringing the overseas product or Malaysian is producing its own product or at least Malaysia have to look into when it comes to cannabis or hemp, you must plant it because it will result into a different strains and different use of it. So we never know what this climate we have here, we enjoy this sort of climate in our country, what sort of hemp will appear to this country. So that's very important for me personally. That's why we are here under the Malaysian Hemp Tech Industrial Research Association because we want to have this research very clearly what sort of strains are we producing for ham. I would say yes Malaysia definitely will move forward because there is no more space after years in the future if countries such as Malaysia still want to stick to the current decision. I think we will then be no longer valid to the future direction. Thank you so much John for sharing that. Yeah I think we're moving on to the understanding the difference in hemp and cannabis. Eric, I hope you don't mind me taking this over. Just understanding a little bit more about the difference in industrial cannabis, hemp and cannabis for the latest rescheduling. And is it included in the rescheduling as in, you know, right now, just understanding that, you know, the UN has actually amended cannabis as no longer part of drugs. Is there a distinct difference between hemp and cannabis at this point? Yeah, definitely hemp comes from the cannabis family. But when we say cannabis, actually we are referring to the whole plant and the whole use of it. That's why it's important before any decision, any research, we need to create an awareness so that the citizens like Malaysia understand before Malaysia taking any decision on this matter, we should first look at what term we are referring to. Are we trying to reschedule to explore on more research? Are we looking at decriminalize that use of it of the legalization package? Which one? I think it's very important. You know, you're looking at the grassroots level alone in Malaysia, we can see there are so many groups fighting mm-hmm. for different purposes. So that's again it's 
it's important for Malaysia to identify before making any decision. So then we're able to look at more clearer picture. So obviously there are differences when you speak about cannabis for industrial use, such as hemp, and for the medicinal use. In this case, what we see countries such as Canada again, and the Europe, and followed by Australia, and now China, all those are the bigger player of industrial hemp. So this country, especially Canada, and some of the European countries, they have even planted way before, like, you know, 30s, 60s, 70s, and after rescheduling in the 80s, actually, they have started it. Like, hemp is part of their breakfast meal. You see, now in the EU, they have standardized identification of industrial hemp, which is coming from the seeds, the hemp hearts, or the hemp seed, or hemp oil, or even the tea, or everything, battery, uh, hemp grid, anything, you name it, it's actually under the industrial use. Almost all EU countries can actually plant. They don't have much restriction. Anything which is hemp, and one different with the European countries, they allow beginning from 0.2% compared to the US, they actually allow from 0.3%, but there already certain state in the US has actually improved up to 1%. One of the reasons why is they're actually focusing on the medicinal use of it because having very low THC doesn't help if you're focusing on the medicinal value. But don't forget, only countries such as Korea, Japan, requires doctors to prescribe even cannabinoid from hemp plants. So this is ridiculous because cannabinoid, like I mentioned earlier, EU countries, they just call it as a food supply. You know, like Australia, soon they will they will sell it at the shelf in even normal shops. One of our exco members from KK went to London. The moment he reached the shopping mall, he was showing more than 20 shops there selling CBD like crazy. Even Korea and Japan, an example, I'm, again, I'm very concerned and worried. If we prescribe a food like cannabinoid, it should be under the Ministry of Agriculture because they actually handle the food. But even Australia have sell it on their shelf. This is where Malaysia has to understand and know very well. Back to your question just now. So you can't be prescribing cannabinol if there are countries that actually doesn't prescribe it. Unless it is truly, you must be looking at the higher level of THC. So here we are going back to the CND control drugs under WHO rescheduling, but not hemp per se. Sounds very interesting as, you know, the whole plan seems to be globalized in different countries. So we really hope, you know, with everything that Mira is doing right now, it will actually fast track getting people to actually understand it and release Malaysia out of that stigma. You did talk about how Malaysia can actually have so many potential industries out of hemp. In fact, if you can explore the different strains, like you mentioned, we might even be able to go into the medical potential of it. But for all this to happen, like you said, cannabinoids do not need to be prescribed in some countries. Whereas in Malaysia, if we want to actually have such an ecosystem, like Anne was talking about, a regulatory body to regulate the different types of strains, etc. The whole cannabis strains are currently available. There's more than 900 globally types of strains, but if we refer just hemp strains, there's already more than 300, I think around 320 
have different strains for different purposes. If you're planting for CBD, so the, the, the shape of the seeds might be different. There's a breeder that actually breed for building with zero THC where the seed is black in color. So that's another example. And there's more than 300 uh, different types of strains and it's dangerous to just simply take from anywhere and plant it if we can't even produce and breed our own baby, I would say. Going back to the earlier question, what is the objective of allowing the industrial hemp in Malaysia? So we are looking at for industrial use, so there will definitely will be at least five types of strains for different purposes because industrial use, it could be for battery or it could be for hempcrete. Then you need a thicker stalk of hemp. Either you need a thicker or you need a taller. And again, there are so many types of strains available out there, but to have your own is always the best. When you say have your own, I'm sure there needs to be a lot of research and development that goes into it. What would be the most rapidly developing sector in Malaysia related to hemp if such regulations fall in place? Or what would be the industry that needs the regulations the most, or which is having the most push to have regulations in Malaysia? We have to also consider not just the emotional to get industrial hemp in this country. The animal feed, for example, is something very important now because the current price is too high and we are not sure what is the content in it or even it mentioned corn or soya bean. You still have to be very cautious because we don't know whether it's a GMO version or not. So obviously we have to be realistic what actually the country needs. Since we are in the stage of uncertain times due to the pandemic, the economy is the most important factor before any decision should be made and all key for a developed country such as Malaysia. I'm not the economic expert, but rather we all in Mira has a vision to develop a new industries or complement the existing industries such as fiber or even food, like what's happening in Thailand right now with hemp via our research findings and visibility of certain business here and also looking at regional, for example, Pakistan already identified Identify two areas that they will go into. One will be the fabric for the denim jeans and one more is for the technology more into developing batteries. In Malaysia, we already have, when we're talking about food, it's definitely under the Ministry of Agriculture. I think anything related to drugs only will be under the Ministry of Health. Currently, our country is facing investors going out of the country. So we need to create a more stable political and new opportunities such as industrial hemp and the cannabis business or raw material to support the current demand. Not necessarily follow the Thailand footstep, but obviously since Mira, we have been observing the cannabis scene since 2013. From our establishment, we have involved with all the global network. I would say we also understand this very well into how and what industries Malaysia should venture to. I just give a hint such as animal feed because from my understanding, it's not really helping the people. And when we're talking about animal feed, those are the animals that we are eating. It's important for us to have the quality and more value. If Malaysia choose to treat this as a new crop, this will... Uh, 
attract more investors to the countries and the certain economic values because this plant can be available in these countries at least three times per year. And I see this is how I see Malaysia should move forward. In. Thank you for telling us the kinds of demands, especially animal feed. I'm sure there are a lot of stakeholders in this industry that actually want to know more about it. Yeah. I really relate to what Johan just shared about how it's very important, you know, for Malaysia to actually now seek alternatives, especially when it comes to food security. Given the year that we had last year, I think this was on the top of many leaders' minds, especially coming up with alternatives that we can actually keep Malaysia sustained, especially for our industry like animal feed, agriculture and farming. So Johan, as the leader of Mira, just to understand about the role that Mira plays in advocating the action of laws in here in Malaysia. Maybe you can actually explain what has Mira have been up to in in terms of advocating for action of law? Before I speak about the government, Mira, we have actually, we were invited first. I think the first minister that invites Mira was the Ministry of Health. We went to meet the Deputy Ministry of Health and that's how also we learn what sort of requirement from the ministry at that time we are not really ready into medical because we thought maybe the industrial ministry or agriculture ministry but it, it was a challenge after that we identify certain roadmap we have uh, shared to some other ministries such as MITI and of course uh, Ministry of Agriculture but what happened to Malaysia from our experience is like whatever proposal and document that we have provided it's not very very transparent since this is a new crop we are not really united into taking this seriously and our government and its agency have have to be more transparent i would say because the vision of malaysian now with the current government which is wawasan kersama it's very clear that it has to be together so which was visionarized by the current government has to be pure mira as a hemp research is playing our role to help the country we are not the glc that wants to plant this you know we want to give a proper data what's supposed to be planted what's mm. supposed to be planted what are the economic values and we are among the pioneer in the industrial hemp network in the region uh, and globally when talking about role Mira has done its role when we first register it's already a, a, a big responsibility because uh, reject it took us at least three months to register when it comes to advocating we have our current member not so many but looking into regulations for this country and roadmaps we have a lawyer we have also Masli who have done the studies with, the, with Japan for their policy which we also share with the government but it works better if we have a trial just to understand then the types of species again. So because the trial research, what Mira is advocating currently, so far we have spoken and met some decision maker in three states in Malaysia, including the ministry, and the advocating for action will happen after we prove the data state by state, because this is not an ordinary, like some other business or some other crops or other country is doing it. Let's do it now and let's bring it in here. So that's why the data is 
important. That's why when we had a meeting last month with one of the ministry, we were told that probably one of the agencies which has got no experience and no planting or any certain network, but they are the one that currently undergoing the policy. This, I would say, not so progressive. Mira, even though we have met with few ministry, what we want is actually to understand a different climate in Malaysia so we can provide a proper data, a proper strains for proper purposes. So we want to suggest a good direction to our authority. It's not about Mira alone. We must actually include all the relevant stakeholders holders, including ministry, into the advocation of this plan. And we at MIRA have few options, including collaborating with our members and non-members to form and coalition to be the voice. Currently, we have discussed with some of the non-members, but they are actually a network or company or even GLC who are interested into him, where we wanted to form this alliance called MAHU, or Malaysia Alliance HAM United. What we hope from here is actually to include more Malaysia since we are not a company, so we just focus on the commercial part, but rather we want to focus on the research and development. And we actually, under our roadmap, we identify at least five to seven ministry and agency that will work into this. And I'm quite surprised when we had the meeting with them, they even wanted to know how actually we can strategize the roadmap. So it shows that the current government or the agency due to the changes of the political scene doesn't help the understanding into this. How do we go far if we don't really understand? So I say Mira is the most suitable to be involved with the R&D, education, and of course the development of the policy, then we can develop a regulation involving all stakeholders, government agencies, ministries, you know, and we're looking into a proper blueprint on HAM regulation to be established once that network or alliance being set up. That's very interesting and very insightful. You were mentioning about the Malaysian Alliance Hemp United, right? When has this been established since recent? Yeah, about almost a month ago when we were approached by some of the political network and of course Mira also being approached by Felda or many other GLC. But like I said earlier, you know, we have to be united. We have to use the word united so that the people understand that Mira is not trying to control this crop. We are trying to help the country. We want to establish an alliances. Whoever want to be the big boys of the plantation, go ahead. Like the palm oil, of course. Isn't it better to have a guideline from an organization such as Mira that understand this? Even though it's too early for us to set up the alliance, we cannot just rely on the outside network, I would say. And because when it comes to this industry, there is so many competitors or industries that don't really favor these mm. industries. But actually, because of their lack of understanding, that's the reason why. What would be those recommendations to the local government politicians and authorities, especially moving forward to the objective of having hemp industrial more promoted here in Malaysia? That's a good question. There's a various strategies which we have shared with the ministry and government, but it's just halfway and not consistent. We want a more consistent, like the Peninsula Kedah project. We are also part of the first meeting earlier, but somehow it's just gone missing. We hope first the government can initiate a group of alliance like what we want to initiate. 
Mahu, for example, he can be under the government, of course. And this is the organizing committee that will look very deeply into the country needs, looking into the economic value. Of course, the food security is very crucial right now. That is the most important part. And also for the authorities, we hope more education that Mira could offer and play our role once they already have their own task when we set up the strategy. We are not trying to compete. We want to complement this initiative so that we can offer a new law and a take took place in the future and we can actually offer good module to train the ministry. There's so many agencies, Mardi, RISDA, Felda, these people need to be taught properly about industrial hemp and to the varieties of hemp, like, you know, not many people know there's more than 300 hemp species available. The most important part is not to affiliate hemp with drugs. So cannabis medicinal value should be under the Ministry of Health, including, but I would rather suggest food and hemp under the Ministry of Agriculture because that's actually under them currently. And of course, that's being practiced in other countries for its diverse use. It can be used under cosmetics. See, cosmetics and food control is also under the Ministry of Health, I think, NPR, including the Ministry of Agriculture. Of course, those who still disobey the guideline were still under the drugs control system. I'm sure when people understand the differences, we can minimize the misuse or even the bad influences about the plant because there's no way you can plant the ham species and the marijuana species next to each other. How can activists, researchers, medical practitioners and perhaps like you mentioned, people who are interested in agriculture actually be involved in this movement that you you mentioned, uh, Mahu, or perhaps if they're interested, how can they actually be involved in the research and advocation of HEM in Malaysia? From our experience, I've gone through for like myself, I think this is my ninth years. And for Mira, since 2016, currently we have almost 500 members. And there is also some companies joining us as the non-ordinary members, premium members. Our focus, I would say now, will be our members first. You see, because it, it, due to the non-understanding with the uh, other network in the region, so we are focusing for Mira members. There's a quote, if I can share here, by Helen Keller, which says that alone we can do so little, but together we can do so much. So we at Mira has provided a platform and soon this Mahu with people who probably doesn't need to join as Mira member, but they could be representing their corporacy or representing their company or representing their other association. We have association that very established in Malaysia that wanted to join. So this is a platform for them and any advocates choose not to be part of the organization but can be under a nationwide coalition. So this is the platform actually for the people to take their own lead since Mira will administer and we actually want to encourage more professors and more universities by organizing education road tour after Shawal, after the Hari Raya, Idul Fitri. We will be going to many universities to promote all the non-consumption hem 
the industrial hemp into the university. Why? Actually, we hope that more university students, more professors, more research will happen by then. And I, I wish to actually welcome new members to Mira and hope more members will join so that everyone will benefit this. There's so huge of potential in terms of industry and we want to share this. And we hope from the R&D from Mira, hopefully there's actually, we have now currently one state that really to appoint us as their consultant. We will help big or even small player to understand and expand to a niche market when it comes to hemp. We hope that we can help develop every businesses in Malaysia to the next level. That's great. Thank you so much, Johan, for the very in-depth and valuable insight on cannabis and the potential of hemp here in our country. And we definitely admire your passion in leading Mira and creating a change in Malaysia. Thank you so much for being on the session with us. The Malaysia Hemp Tech Research invites more experts from various fields and industries to dive in their research, studies, and the potential of hemp in Malaysia on our goal to move forward in this space in the future. So stay tuned to more brilliant talks and discussions with experts and industry leaders right here on the Go Green by Mira podcast.